1: Good morning and welcome to American Hotel Income Properties Read LP Second Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following the formal remarks, there will be a question and answer session for analysts only. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. I would now like to turn the call over to Kelly Iwata, Director of Finance. You may begin.
2: Thank you, Operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our second quarter 2021 results conference call. Discussing AHIP's performance today are Jonathan Correll, Chief Executive Officer, Bruce Tay, Chief Operating Officer, and Travis Beattie, Chief Financial Officer. The following discussion will include forward-looking statements as required by securities regulators in Canada. Comments that are not a statement of fact, including projections of free future earnings, revenue, income, and FFO are considered forward-looking and involve risks and uncertainties. The risks and uncertainties that could cause our actual financial and operating results to differ significantly from our forward-looking statements are detailed in our MD&A for the three and six months ended June 30, 2021, our other Canadian securities filings available on CDAR, and on our website at ahipreet.com. AHIP does not undertake to update or revise any forward-looking statements to reflect new events or circumstances, except as required by law. Listeners are urged to review the full discussion of risk factors on AHIP's annual information form dated March 15, 2021, which has been filed on CDAR at www.sedar.com. Our second quarter results were made available yesterday afternoon. We encourage you to review our earnings MD&A, and financial statements, which are available on our website as well as on CDAR. On this call, we will discuss certain non-IFRS financial measures including NOI, Hotel EBITDA, FFO, and AFFO. For the definition of these non-IFRS financial measures, the most directly comparable IFRS financial measure, and a reconciliation between the two, please refer to our MD&A. References to prior year operating results are comparisons of AHIP's current portfolio of 78 properties results in those periods versus today. All figures discussed on today's call are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. I'd like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, August 11th, 2021, and a replay of this call will be available on our website. Jonathan will begin today's call with an overview of operational and financial highlights, followed by Bruce, who will provide an update on hotel operations, and lastly, Travis will highlight key financial results. I'll now turn the call over to Jonathan Correll, Chief Executive Officer.
3: Thank you, Kelly, and thank you everyone for joining us today for our second quarter financial results conference call. Our Q2 performance saw us achieve our strongest operating results since the pandemic began. Each month brought sequential improvements in revenue fueled by meaningful improvements in average daily rate. In prior demand downturns, rate has been proven to be slower to recover to prior levels than has occupancy. What we witnessed in Q2 was rate narrowing the gap to 2019 levels more quickly than occupancy. Our June average daily rate was only 4% behind June 2019. This bodes well for the speed of the recovery of our business to pre-pandemic levels and future operating margins that we will be able to generate at our properties. Rate-driven RevPar growth has allowed us to operate our hotels at margins that exceed pre-pandemic levels and meet or exceed those of our lodging REIT peers. Our net operating income, or NOI margin, in Q2 of 41.5% was 9.4 percentage points higher than Q1 2021, 25.1 percentage points higher than Q2 2020, and 4.4 percentage points higher than Q2 2019. Our margins have also been helped by relaxed brand standards and operational efficiencies unlocked by our hotel manager working with our asset management team. Going forward, our teams are working hard to ensure that we maximize the permanence of the cost savings and operational efficiencies that we have achieved during the pandemic. Hotel demand continues to be powered by the leisure guest. Since U.S. vaccination rollouts began in December, the domestic leisure traveler has shown increasing willingness to travel and to spend. Any any demand downturn associated with the Delta variant has not been felt in our portfolio to date and we were pleased to see July results exceed June's numbers. Improving revenue and robust operating margin drove Q2 Fund from operations, or FFO, of $0.14 per unit, compared to $0.03 per unit in Q1. This is the highest total and per unit FFO since Q3 2019. On a relative basis, AHIP is one of the few lodging REITs to to report positive year-to-date FFO. These improved bottom line results together with our strategic equity raise completed in Q1 resulted in available liquidity of approximately $40 million at the end of the quarter comprised of both unrestricted cash and revolver capacity plus an additional $34.6 million of restricted cash. We anticipate that opportunities for further improvements in our results lie in the benefits of the future return of the business traveller. While there is evidence of business transient demand increasing in September, it is too early to comment on the magnitude of this increase. We expect any benefits from greater corporate demand to accrue to our midweek rate and occupancy and to improve the results at our five Embassy Suites properties, which have so far lagged the broader portfolio recovery. As alluded to in Q1, we continue to face challenges inherent in a very tight labour market, that affect our ability to attract and retain labour for certain positions. Later on, Bruce will discuss some of the dynamics currently at play in the US economy which contribute to these challenges. Given our conviction around the long-term escalations in demand trends, we are pursuing opportunities to invest in capital improvements to our existing properties as well as to expand the size of our portfolio footprint. We expect those efforts to accelerate over the coming months with capital beginning to be deployed towards renovation work in the latter half of the year. We continue to monitor opportunities to grow and are actively underwriting transactions that would expand our portfolio of premium branded select service hotels across the US. And with those recent highlights, I'll now turn the call over to Bruce to discuss second quarter hotel operations. Travis will then highlight key second quarter financial metrics. Bruce?
4: Thank you, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. We were pleased to see the momentum of the first quarter's revenue growth continue and accelerate in Q2. The portfolio has seen sequential REVPAR growth since the beginning of 2021, and the percentage revenue increases between April and July were substantive. Looking at the second quarter, June REVPAR of $84.28 represents a 19% increase over April REVPAR, of $70.79. As a whole, Q2 REVPAR of $76.53 exceeded Q1 2021 REVPAR of $57.01 by over 34%, pointing to meaningful signs of revenue recovery for AHIP's portfolio. Q2 2021 REVPAR is at 80% of the same period in 2019. Total occupancy for our 78 hotels in the second quarter averaged 70%. On a monthly basis through the quarter, April occupancy was 68.6%, May occupancy was 68.4%, and June finished at 73.1% occupancy for the month. In Q2, weekend occupancies ranged between 80 and 83%, driven by leisure segment demand. Midweek occupancy in Q2 was in the mid to high 60% range. When we look at the three distinct segments of AHIP's portfolio, occupancy for the quarter was led by our 24 extended stay properties at 81.1%. Our 49 select service hotels had occupancy of 67.1% and our five embassy hotels had an occupancy of 59.5%. Although revenue increases year-to-date have have been primarily driven by occupancy, as Jonathan mentioned, we are very encouraged and pleased by the rate growth we have seen every month since the beginning of the year. In particular, in Q2, the AHIP portfolio saw average daily rate increases from $103.16 in April to $115.33 in June representing an 11.8% increase during the quarter. These Q2 ADRs represent between 88 to 96% of ADR levels the portfolio experienced in Q2 of 2019. In fact, our July 2021 ADR was $119.71. That's at 100% of the July 2019 ADR achieved. As we move beyond Q2, July preliminary results have portfolio occupancy at 73.2%, with REVPAR at $87.62. The leisure segment continues to be the dominant driver of demand across our portfolio. As vaccination rates have improved across the United States, we have seen continued and consistent leisure demand growth, as domestic travellers break free from COVID restrictions and concerns to travel to see family, friends and enjoy vacations. From a group segment perspective, the demand catalysts are youth sports, family reunions, small weddings, as well as medical, logistics and construction project work. We are seeing some growth in the traditional group meeting business with group sizes in the 10 to 30 person range primarily driven by small to medium-sized companies. Corporate segment performance continues to significantly lag leisure demand. We believe that we'll see some improvement in corporate segment demand as we pass Labor Day. This market segment has been the most sensitive to travel during the pandemic period. In general, larger corporate clients continue to have stricter travel policies with many offices still closed. We anticipate a more meaningful recovery of this segment in 2022. Weekends continue to outpace midweek occupancy as a result of the strong leisure segment demand. Friday and Saturday nights continue to be peak demand demand nights with RevPar achieving 25% premiums over midweek room nights. Geographically, New Jersey where AHIP has six hotels and Texas, where we have 10 hotels, ran 87.9% and 78.7% occupancy for the quarter, respectively. New Jersey also delivered AHIP's highest rev par of the 22 states where we operate at $109.99 for Q2. Overall, we have seen business and occupancy recover as as being quite balanced across our 78 hotels in 22 states. Only two states had occupancy of less than 60% in the quarter. Ohio at, 57, at 50.7%, where we have two larger embassy suite products that cater more to corporate and group and conference market segments. And Oklahoma at 49%, where we have hotels that have been heavily impacted by the downturn of oil and gas in that state as well as significant new market supply. As mentioned on our last call, Oklahoma only represents 7% of the portfolio key count. Our 78 hotels continue to outperform their respective competitive sets with a RevPAR index of 115.3. We are pleased with our overall index performance, but it's worth noting that the index performance comparisons to Q2 2020 are quite noisy given the amount of hotel closings and consolidations within our portfolio and comp sets during that period. In Q2, our hotel manager continued strict cost containment initiatives, which coupled with strengthening ADR have yielded strong margin growth across the portfolio. Operating efficiency gains contributed to Q2 NOI margins of 41.5%, compared to 32.1% in Q1 of 2021, and 16.4% in Q2 2020. When compared to Q2 2019, NOI margin has improved 4.4 points from 37.1%. Similar to Q1, several factors have contributed to margin growth. Improving average daily rate, relaxed brand standards, and cost containment initiatives put in place at the beginning of the pandemic. Currently, the portfolio is operating at 56% of 2019 staffing levels. This is up from 51% in Q1. We would expect to see this percentage increase as we normalize at higher demand levels, in particular at our Embassy Suites properties. However, we anticipate that some of the savings we are currently seeing will become permanent providing for a leaner and more efficient operating model. Our hotels have continued to operate with relaxed brand standards surrounding complementary services and housekeeping through Q2. As, comp- as a complementary services comparative, in the first half of 2021, our comp services cost, inclusive of labour, were in the $2.15 CPOR range. In 2019, our comp services cost was in the $5 CPOR range. Housekeeping for the first half of 2021 was in the $5.20 CPOR range versus $7.60 CPOR in 2019. We do not anticipate a return to 2019 brand standards and believe that we will have a leaner operating model going forward. That said, We have adjusted and improved our comp services breakfast offering as we entered Q3 and our brand partners are evaluating a daily housekeeping service upon request model with Hilton being the first brand partner to formally adopt this new housekeeping standard. Both of these items will add some cost back into the business from what we experienced through the first half of 2021. There there continue to be many cost and service variables impacting our hotels today, and it's too early in the recovery to provide specific margin guidance. The greatest challenge to operating our hotels today is our hotel manager's ability to recruit and retain staff in the hotels. We believe that this is a challenge that will remain through the economic recovery period. Many factors contribute to this dynamic, including ongoing availability of government assistance, increased competition in the labor market for employees, wage rates, and in some instances, employee reticence to return to work while the pandemic is ongoing. Through the first half of 2021, our capital spend was focused on requests related to life safety and asset preservation. Year to date, we have committed $2.8 million in capital repairs and improvements, with 1.7 million of that being committed in Q2. We have not undertaken any capital renovation projects to date, but anticipate completing two small PIP projects in Amarillo in Q4 that had been suspended at the onset of the pandemic. As we are seeing the financial recovery of our business take hold, we are discussing with our brand partners what our PIP program may look like in 2022 and beyond. And with that update on hotel operations i'll now turn the call over to travis to highlight
5: key financial and capital metrics for the quarter travis thank you bruce we are seeing ongoing improvement in operating and financial results these trends have resulted in sequential improvements in most key metrics and positive hotel ebitda in every month since may of 2020. in the first six months of 2021 we've made meaningful improvements in our capital structure and liquidity that positions us for the ongoing recovery in the hospitality sector while providing protection from possible downside scenarios. The preferred equity issuance, amendments to our credit facility, temporary suspension of the distribution, and improvement to operating cash flow have all contributed to this improved financial position. For the 3 months ended June 30th, 2021, reported revenues increased to $63.6 million as compared to $27.3 million for the same period last year. Reported net income for the quarter improved to $0.5 million compared to a loss of $20.8 million in the same period last year. Diluted income per unit for the quarter was positive one cent compared to a diluted loss per unit of $0.26 in 2020. This is the first positive income since the third quarter of 2019. Reported funds from operation, or FFO, was $11.5 million, or $0.14 per diluted unit. This is the highest total and per unit FFO since the third quarter of 2019. With our revised credit facility, we have covenant waivers during 2021. We anticipate being able to satisfy our covenants once they take effect in 2022. In addition, the fixed fixed borrowing base amount on our credit facility is set to expire at the end of the year, although we do not expect a reduction in 2022. In terms of liquidity metrics, at June 30, 2021, AHEP had total available liquidity of approximately $40 million with an additional $34.5 million of restricted cash held in various reserves with the loan servicers. While liquidity decreased from the end of the first quarter, this was primarily attributable to the $16 million repayment of a deferred purchase price in connection with AHIP's acquisition of 12 premium branded hotels in December of 2019 and a catch-up of other accrued liabilities. In the second half of 2021, EBITDA is expected to exceed required cash flow for principal and interest payments and capital expenditures. This is based on the expectation that hotel EBITDA will continue to improve. Management expects to re-establish the dividend in 2022 at a level that will be sustainable in the long term. In 2020, we were able to r- obtain relief on all 20 of our CMBS loans. This relief included a deferral for funding ff reserves for six months, repayment of this deferral over 12 months, and covenant waivers. The majority of these deferrals have now been repaid, and most of the remaining portions will be repaid by the end of this year. We are in discussions with loan servicers on further covenant waivers on five CMBS loans where trailing 12-month cash flows have not yet exceeded required thresholds. We have two underperforming non-core assets in Pittsburgh, which generate little or no FFO. In December of 2020, we made a request to the loan servicer for these two single property non-recourse loans that the loans be transferred to the special loan servicer in order to negotiate modified loan terms. We are now in discussions with the servicer and believe that resolution is forthcoming. These discussions do not impact any of AHIP's other loans. I will now turn the call back to Jonathan for closing remarks. Thanks, Travis.
3: <clears throat> in closing, we, want, we continue to gain enthusiasm on the recovery of our industry and the outlook for AHIP in particular.
0: When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy.
3: As we look ahead, we will continue to focus on the key messages that we have communicated in the recent past. Operationally, we will maintain our focus on cost containment and margin enhancement so that as demand continues to increase, we optimize flow through to our bottom line. We will continue to protect the balance sheet near term and to leverage over time. We we will pursue accretive opportunities to deploy capital in our existing portfolio and through new acquisitions with our end goal remaining to drive total return for our unit holders through unit price appreciation, as well as reinstating our unit holder cash distribution at a sustainable level and at the appropriate time. So with that overview of our second quarter and recent initiatives, we'll now open the call to questions from analysts. Operator?
1: At this time to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Mark Rothschild with Canaccord.
6: Thanks and Hi, guys. Um, maybe just following up on, Jonathan, your, your last comment there in regard to the, the distribution, can you maybe give us an update on when you expect to be in a position that you're able to uh, reinstate the distribution and, you know, to that point? Um, when would you like to reinstate the distribution? Would, do you want to hold off, you know, longer just to retain capital? Sure. Thanks,
3: Mark. Um, so, a couple things to watch and be aware of with respect to the distribution. Uh, first is our our credit facility. The the payment of distributions is not permitted during the current covenant covenant waiver period under the last amendment of our credit facility, and that waiver extends until the, the end of 2021. Um, and thereafter will remain subject to the satisfaction of certain financial covenants under that amendment. Uh, but secondly, which is more of a, um, uh, it gets to your point regarding you know, our, what we would like to do, our, our business has seasonal fluctuations in FFO over the calendar year, so we'd like more visibility to what normalized cash flow will look like over the coming quarters. Um, and in addition to cash flow, we'll be monitoring capital needs, acquisitions, and dispositions, and distributions required for AHIP to maintain its REIT status. So, so based on the expectations that Hotel EBITDA will continue to improve, um, we expect to re-establish the distribution in 2022 um, and what that level will be and, and when it'll be exactly in 2022, it will be a topic of discussion over the next few months uh, with management and,
6: and with our board. Okay, great. And then you also mentioned looking at growth and acquisitions. Um, to what extent have you so been pursuing acquisitions over the past little while, and should we expect anything um, in the remainder of the year? I
3: wouldn't expect anything to be closing prior to the end of the year, uh, but we have a pretty robust deal pipe pipeline. Um, there's more deals being marketed, both from brokers and off-market. That's the biggest, uh, That's the biggest change in Q2. Um, we're going to have more pricing discovery as those deals get consummated, and you know as, as results improve, um, sellers are becoming more emboldened to stick to their asks that they had in, uh, in 2019. So you know, it's going to take a while for us to, to shake some of these bills uh, uh, loose, but um, you know, we have the team and, and, and the individuals in place to do that, and uh, we'll be continuing to, um, to pursue.
6: Okay, great. And maybe just lastly, um, with those transactions that you're seeing with sellers that are putting properties up for sale, what type of valuation metrics are you seeing right now?
3: So as results are improving, um, sellers are pricing deals to stabilize 2019 cap rates. And, and what that means in many cases now is, is uh, close to 7% uh, cap rates on 2019 levels once you account for post-closing capex requirements
6: okay great thanks so much
3: thank you
1: Your, your next question comes from the line of lauren kalmer with td securities
7: thanks uh hi everyone um just wondering can you guys give us any insight into what the um adr and occupancy has done thus far in august
4: Sure, uh, Lauren. It's Bruce. So, through the first eight days of the month, uh, occupancy is at uh, seventy point seven percent. ADRs at one hundred and eighteen dollars and thirty four cents. So that that translates to a rev par of
7: eighty three seventy one. Okay. Thank you. That was very helpful. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Delta is a bit of a concern, in the resurgence of the cases. How, how do you guys see that impacting the portfolio if, if this does continue to, if case counts continue to rise?
3: Yeah, so far we haven't seen any impact to our portfolio um, in demand, um, Lauren. Um, I think what uh, what will be interesting to see is how it affects uh, companies' willingness to allow their employees to travel. And that's something that's a moving target and, uh, and, and something that will gain more visibility to post-Labor Day.
7: Okay. And then I guess maybe just lastly, kind of more high level, um, obviously fundamentals are improving and, and, and you guys had some great results. What do you guys think the market is missing here?
3: Uh, in what context,
7: Lauren? Uh, in terms of like the, the unit price it hasn't uh, hasn't really seemed to budge much uh, even despite the, the results you know what do you guys think you need to do to kind of get the uh, the unit price moving upwards
3: well we're going to continue to do what we're doing right now which is running our business and uh, optimizing our results um, hopefully as as time goes on the market sees that uh, sees the improvement the sustained improvement and rewar- we're, we are rewarded for that uh, but right now we're going to focus on uh, what we're doing and what you see in front of you, which is to uh, improve the um, improve the results within the portfolio.
7: Fair enough. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll turn it
3: back. Thanks.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Mario Serwick with Scotia Bank. Hi,
8: right, Thank you. Um, just a couple of uh, questions on the operational side. Um, you know, I find the the 2021 versus 2019 disclosure very helpful. Uh, what would that disclosure, which uh, I think you have on page 14 of the md what would that look like if we just focused on the corporate segment? Uh,
3: focused on the which?
8: On the corporate segment, so as opposed to brand, just like like where are where is corporate activity in your portfolio today relative to 2019 levels? Oh, yeah, Mark uh,
3: Bruce. We might have to follow up on that question specifically, but Bruce, do you want to just yeah. give your high-level um feeling yeah, on that?
4: Yeah, I, I think, mario Yeah, we can do a little more homework, but but I, you know, I would tell you it's probably around the thirty-five or forty percent range of where it was, and leisure is over is overperforming compared to twenty nineteen levels.
8: Got it. Okay, and then uh, secondly, in, in terms of the margin, Bruce, I can appreciate that uh, visibility is, is relatively low with respect to guidance. Uh, but if, maybe if I ask the question a little bit differently, if we step back and, and hypothetically assume that ADR gets back to 2019 levels uh, based on that corporate demand recovery that you're hoping or anticipating, like, what, what's the confidence level like that the, the margin in 22 would be higher than in 2019, given some of the expected permit cost? Reduction you're anticipating?
3: Yeah, I, I, I'll give you the short answer first, which is our confidence level is high that we'll we'll be entering into a, an environment here with higher operating margins in 2022 than they were in 2019. Uh, but let me add some color to that, which is number one, um, the, as you pointed out, the margins improvements in margins haven't only been cost driven. Um, as we've alluded to, the the recovery we've, we've had in rate has had tremendous flow to the NOI. Um, let, on, the, on the cost side, let me just speak briefly about the brands, which is really the, um, one of the biggest the d- dynamic with the brands, which is, is affecting um, cost and, and the brands, be it Marriott, Hilton, or ISG, they're cor- currently sorting out what the guest experience will look like once we get through all of this. And, and that's a complicated analysis. Um, Marriott has 30-plus brands, and they each have their own swim lane. And so when they make a decision on one, it affects what happens in the others. But what I can say is that they all acknowledge that we are not going back to 2019 brand offerings. So, um, you know, as Bruce pointed out, the most recent evidence we've had on this is Hilton's announcement in June, making housekeeping an on-demand item for non-luxury brands. And we're going to be a tremendous beneficiary of that, given that we have 30% of our hotels are extended stay. So we, we expect more announcements like this in the coming months from the, from the competing brands, which will allow us to answer your question uh, more uh, in more detail. Uh, but I think it's safe to say that 2022 margins are going to be higher than they were in 2019.
8: Okay, okay. Well, that's helpful. And then just in those discussions with the brands, uh, as opposed to focusing on the cost and, and kind of focusing on the uh, the customer experience uh, have you seen or heard anything in terms of trends coming out of this pandemic that uh, may change so customers want a b and c much more than they did pre-pandemic and and how do you think about positioning the portfolio to, to capture uh, evolving trends and that preference or
9: customer preference yeah yeah
4: Mario, it's Bruce. You know, I think cleanliness is right up at the top of the list from a customer perspective and I think uh, our brand's uh, ability to communicate the steps they're taking to provide a clean and safe environment within the hotels uh, is at the top of the list for what the consumer is looking for today. You know, setting aside vaccination rates and all the rest there are still concerns, you know, that are pandemic related, and it 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 all revolves around, I think, the cleanliness of the product. So more focus on that going forward.
9: Okay Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Joanne Chin with Bmo. Hi,
10: good afternoon. Um, I know you guys mentioned that um, you know you haven't really seen the impact, uh, you know, from the Delta variant yet. Um, but is it safe to assume even you know if there was a little bit of a dip. That the rebound because you know you guys re- did rebound pretty quickly. That it should probably follow a similar trend if there was a little bit of a pause uh, because of the Delta variant.
3: What we are, um, we we're not we're not seeing any evidence of. Of of a dip, other than what we would typically see uh, in seasonality within our portfolio, Um, and and we expect that seasonality to follow the trends that we saw um, in 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 prior years. So, um, no evidence of of a dip beyond that, um, Joanne.
10: Okay, that's good to hear. Um, uh, But just I guess maybe would you maybe provide a little bit more color? I guess. Learning now in August, which of your markets continue to exhibit the most uh, strength, if you will?
4: Yeah, as I, uh, Joanne, it's Bruce. As I mentioned in my comments, you know, we've actually seen a pretty balanced rebound across the portfolio. Um, uh, Look, you know, Texas, uh, uh, New Jersey, North Carolina, uh, certainly all demonstrating some operational strength. Um, so, So, um, but but again, it's pretty balanced um, as far as what we're seeing. You know, e- even with with uh, with Florida, I would tell you that over the course of the summer, Florida has been seeing more business than than they typically would have because of mm-hmm. you know domestic travelers heading to that market uh, as opposed to leaving the country for summer vacations and such. Right,
10: that makes sense. I wish I could go, but. <laughs> Um, but uh, maybe just last one for me, switching gears, maybe um, to the balance sheet side of things. Um, it's nice to see that you know leverage continues to tick down modestly, and just kind of really remind me what your goal is in terms of your overall leverage over the longer term.
5: John, it's Travis Beattie. Um We don't have a, a long-term leverage target other than uh, it lower. The, uh, the focus over the last uh, 15 months has been to survive the uh, pandemic and maintain liquidity, uh, which I think we've been successful with. We're mm-hmm. in a good spot from a liquidity perspective and uh, with respect to upcoming maturities and our revolving credit facility. I think now is the time we can turn our attention to uh, leverage and, and the medium to long-term target is to get closer to our peer group but but that's going to take some time, and we're going to have to consider that objective in the context of the growth we would like to do and the and the level of the distribution. So, our our intention is to bring that down over time, uh, but it's going to depend on those factors and and the ongoing COVID recovery.
10: I guess you know you guys do want to grow, but would you look at some asset sales potentially as well, um, to help with some of that deleveraging or?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean. It- Dispositions are always, um, you know, as we look to high-grade our portfolio over time, we're always, uh, you know, looking at possible dispositions. We don't have anything that we're marketing right now, um, and it's certainly another lever we could pull as we, um, as we do what uh, Travis just spoke about.
10: Okay, great. Okay, that's it from me. Thanks. Thanks very much, guys. I'll turn it back. Thank you. As
1: a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets.
9: Thank you, and good morning. Good morning. Following up on uh, Joanne's question, if we think about the, you know, the net balance of acquisitions and dispositions, do you think AHIP will be a net acquirer or a net seller over the next 12 months?
3: um i would expect to be a net acquirer, uh matt over the next 12 months um but of course that that comes with the typical caveats that that uh travis just outlined uh, but uh, our intention is to grow this portfolio
9: and do you have any sense for the quantum of potential acquisitions uh well
3: Right now, they're in the market, there's anywhere from one, one and twos, and in, in markets that we know to to larger portfolios of, of ten and up, and um, and we're underwriting all of those opportunities. I think that um, there is a portfolio premium to be paid for for the ten and up category, um, and we we have to have strong conviction that those are deals that, that uh, meaningfully improve the quality of our asset base. Um, but uh, you know, we we'd also be uh, quite Quite, um uh, quite happy with the um, the ones and twos. Uh, we have the team in place to be able to execute on those deals and multiple deals uh, simultaneously.
9: And to the extent you're able to transact on larger portfolios, is that something that you would consider issuing equity for? Yes. Okay, maybe changing gears to the margin, following up on uh, some of Mario's comments. If we think about the near-term cadence uh, over the next two or three quarters, do you think that will remain elevated north of 40% similar to Q2? Or how should we think about that near-term trajectory?
3: I, I think you would you would expect to, um, to track a similar trend line that you would see in Q3 and Q4, with margins between Q2 and Q3 re- remaining uh, very strong. And then as REVPAR pulls back in the typically seasonal uh, quarters of Q4 and Q1, you would also see a commensurate pullback in margins.
9: All right, guys. Well, I appreciate the commentary. I will turn the call back. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
1: And there are no further questions. I will now turn the call over to Jonathan Corral for any closing remarks.
3: Thank you again, everyone. Thank you for joining us on our call today. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you in November uh, when we report our third quarter 2021 results.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.